Hey friends, you're listening to episode 61 of Eco Chic, a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura Diaz and I am so happy to have you here as per usual. Welcome if you're new, welcome back if you're returning. And if you like this episode, don't forget to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so helpful to figure out what's important to y'all and how I can continue putting out really valuable content, things that are interesting. And I wouldn't be here without you guys listening. So I so appreciate those ratings and reviews. Today's episode is all about technology and more specifically about audio products. I'm excited about this because we haven't touched too deeply on the topic of technology in the sustainability space. We've talked about how technology can or cannot help us combat climate change and just more technology as a whole. We've talked about different types of renewable energy technologies and things of the sort. But the idea of consumer products really contributing to that movement, I think is interesting and it's new and I'm really, really happy to be having this conversation today. So before we get into our conversation today, I do kind of want to set the scene a little bit. Let's talk about how technology is influencing our culture right now. We are living in a time where technology is changing really rapidly. You know, let's think about the span of history. People were not purchasing speakers every single day. People were not acquiring all of these wires that they have in their homes. And why is it that we hoard wires? And just thinking about how we are constantly replacing an iPhone that's old in two years and cameras that are out of date in a couple years and things like that. So technology is changing really quickly and there's a lot of waste that is associated with that. But also on the production side of things, there's a lot of inputs that we're not necessarily thinking too deeply about. So here I'm talking about the materials that are going into all of our tech products. So plastics, woods, all of the metals that go into different components of the internal functionalities of these technology products. All of these things are not super alluded to in the end of life of this product, or you're not necessarily thinking about it as a consumer when you are purchasing something like, oh, the metals in this particular microphone, how did they get there? And then again, like I said, on the other side, what do you do with that waste? What do you do when things are out of date? And companies that have take back programs are not necessarily super common right now. It's not the mainstream movement to accept products that you've already put out and are kind of out of date. So here I'm thinking about something like an iPhone, like you go to buy a new phone and you bring your old phone in and trade it in, and maybe they'll give you some sort of rebate credit or something like that. But if it is an iPhone that's like, let's say 10 years old or like a first generation iPod or something like that, they're not necessarily going to give you that rebate credit right away or even at all. I actually had a friend tell me a little bit about her experience trying to get rid of like an iPod Nano and like a couple other things. And Apple wouldn't take them back because they were so out of date. It's actually just not economically efficient. It's like financially kind of irresponsible to lose money just taking back these products. So I think that's something that we should kind of keep in mind. Right now, there are more and more ways to recycle e-waste on a lesser scale when I'm talking about things like hoarding wires. If you're moving and you're getting ready to like dump your box of wires, there are places like Target and Best Buy that do have bins that collect e-waste. And e-waste is interesting because it can't go necessarily right in the recycling bin. It can't just be sorted with all of the other recycling. It takes a very special kind of infrastructure to be able to process those different materials, especially because let's think about it. You have a plastic casing around a wire and then you have all of the components inside of it. And all of those things need to be recycled at different facilities. So we don't actually live in a world where the infrastructure for recycling technology for e-waste 
is nearly as common as we think it is or as it should be. So something that we do touch on a little bit on this episode is that there is no such thing as super sustainable technology right now. We do not live in that world because we don't have that infrastructure. We don't have the societal supports, the economic supports to really make that a reality. Like truly sustainable technology is not real right now. So I hope that kind of paints the picture a little bit about why these conversations about sustainable technology companies are important. Now, to get into today's episode a little bit, we are talking today with Josh Polson of House of Marley. He is the director of product development, so he handles everything from product ideation and the sourcing of their sustainable materials, really knows everything about conscious design, and he is just managing the way that this really large audio company is reducing waste, both in the design process, in the manufacturing process, and how they're really giving back to consumers. There is a big philanthropic effort there as well. So when House of Marley reached out to me, I was really excited to learn a little bit about them. Like I said, sustainability in the technology space is kind of uncommon right now, and it's something that I'm really interested in learning more about. And additionally, I would like to learn more about the supply chain of technologies and just consumer products in that space because I didn't go to business school. I don't know a whole lot about the ins and outs of creating a product. I don't know a whole lot about what it means to source your materials and be really responsible for your supply chain and then think about the end of life and how are consumers using things. So I love like businessy conversations and I love holding those on the podcast because it seems like y'all really enjoy them too. I hope you really like this interview. House of Marley creates super sustainably sourced audio products. So we're talking about speakers. We're talking about headphones. They have a really beautiful record player as well. And there's a couple of different products on their website. And something that I'm really, really interested in talking about today, besides that sustainable sourcing, is also the affordability of these products. I think it's really important to remember that sustainable doesn't always mean expensive. And sometimes the word sustainable or sustainably sourced or made from recycled materials or compostable, those are words that can trigger a consumer into thinking that a product is automatically too expensive for them or just out of their price range or out of their lifestyle, whatever it may be. So I'm excited to be having this conversation with such an affordable audio brand. And also on that topic, I wanna make sure that everyone really understands I'm interested in promoting products and brands that I truly appreciate and I enjoy and I believe in their products and I believe in the brand. I want to be upfront and say that House of Marley did send me a couple of products to try out and I'm actually really, really impressed with their products. I really appreciate as a listener when a podcast or a blog or someone on the internet just points out when a product was sent to them because it does kind of yield a little bit of bias sometimes, but there is a lot of things that I don't necessarily want to talk about. And House of Marley is not one of those things. House of Marley is products that I'm actually really, really impressed with. Josh and I talk a little bit about the No Bounds speaker, which is this really cool little circular speaker. It's portable, it's Bluetooth oriented. I guess that's what you would call it. It's like connects to your Bluetooth and it holds an incredible amount of battery. Like I charge it and it's good for like two weeks of events. Like I took it to a pool party last week and it was like the main speaker for this whole pool party brunch situation. And I also took it camping over the weekend and it was perfect for camping because it was something that connected to my phone. Thankfully I had some service to have music, but it was something that I really enjoyed the ruggedness of a product. I really enjoyed the sound quality. It's like crispy, clear, it's incredibly loud. And it's also just something that's super portable. It's reasonable for my lifestyle. It's also a really cool looking product. Like every time I bring it out, someone's like, oh, what's that? 
how can I get one? And I love to tell people about House of Marley and I love to tell people about my speaker because I can say like, yeah, this bamboo was sustainably sourced and this cork has a lot of different purposes. And the fibers on this are recycled fibers from water bottles and different other fabrics in the manufacturing process. And it's something that I'm really proud to share with people. So I just kind of want to preface the episode with that. These are really great products that I truly enjoy. And with that, I want to get into a lot of different things today with Josh. So we're talking about, again, the supply chain and responsibility, but also some philanthropic efforts that House of Marley does employ throughout their business model. And I really, really like the different facets that we get into in this conversation. So with that, I hope you guys really enjoy this conversation with Josh Polson of House of Marley. Hi, Josh. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you here. Hey, Laura. Thank you so much. I'm excited to speak with you today. This is a great uh, conversation we're going to have. I'm excited. Before we get yeah. into it, can you go ahead and just introduce yourself a little bit and introduce House of Marley? Yeah. My name is Joshua Polson. I'm the director of product development for the House of Marley. And House of Marley is basically uh, an audio brand that makes sustainable audio products. So, um, you know, we not only build products with unique and sustainable materials in a sustainable way, but we also, you know, get back by planting trees and other initiatives and as well as, you know, just, uh, you know, promoting um, good energy and, and acceptance of everybody. I really like that philosophy of just mm-hmm. good energy and acceptance. I was hoping that you could speak a little bit about just the basis of the House of Marley products. Like what does it mean to be a sustainable audio product? Mm-hmm. And for us, it's it's many things, right? One is we want to build products that are long lasting, you know, that have great quality. Um, and uh, speaking to you know one use plastics and things like that, we we know that we have to use plastics in our products, but we want to make them in a way that you don't dispose of, right? We want them to last, and so a lot of our products are built um, to a two year warranty, and we want them to last even longer, right? As well as sustainable design, a lot of our products that are successful, we still sell today are close to eight years old, right? And um, they're still selling, people are still discovering them and, and um, they're just timeless designs that sound great and people want to continue using, as well as we look at it from the materials we use and choose to build our products from, you know, and finding uh, sustainable materials like FSC certified wood, FSC standing for Ford Stewardship Council. And so they're a body that protects the wood that we use in our products from, you know, the end use to the consumer all the way back to to the forest and making sure they come from responsible um, forestry and not black market wood. So we, we're one of the only auto brands that do this, and I believe one of the first to do to do this, which is great. You know, we know we're not the only one that uses wood in our products, but we, we do it in a way that no one else does. We uh, use bamboo. You know, we, we've created our own fabrics blended from upcycled fibers from basic, you know, textile industry. So we take the fibers from hemp textiles and from organic cotton textiles. And we actually use recycled water bottle fibers and we blend that together to create a unique fabric we call rewind, you know, as well as what we call a regrind plastic where we're using, you know, the scrap from our own plastic parts or silicone parts and turning them into a partially recycled and upcycled products. So so instead of that waste going into the landfill, we reuse our own waste uh, again. It's really cool um, to be able to innovate and find ways of uh, to use our own waste to create new products. That is so interesting. And also yeah. tell me a little bit about like what people do once their products are not necessarily usable anymore. Like, do you take back any products? How can you recycle materials that have been already used in products, things of the sort? What do you do with your waste stream from the consumer mm-hmm. end, if anything? 
Yeah, this is this has been a big initiative that we're looking into, and it is a big problem because a lot of consumers they buy a product and it might say biodegradable on it, or it might say made from recycled products, or it might say you know recyclable. You know what you do with that is more important, right? And so teaching the consumer on what they can do with uh, their end use product or the packaging. And so, you know, we're working on ways to take back our own products. We also need to educate the consumer on what to do with waste products because just throwing it into a recycle bin sometimes isn't the answer, right? Throwing it into the waste bin or buying a biodegradable product isn't always the answer because, again, some things aren't compostable or biodegradable unless they're put into the right environment. And so a lot of research has gone into what we can do. And I think a lot of the materials we're using, too, being unique and creative, some put into a category where it's not as easy to recycle. And so, you know, we need to have a, a full cradle-to-grave solution, right? And so we're working on how we can do that. And I think, you know, we really want to be able to take back and reuse a lot of these materials. I think the main point is that we're, we're trying to make products that last longer so they don't end up in the recycle bin. And I think there's a lot of companies looking at products that are made of multi-materials and we need to design them to be able to be broken down into their components easily, right? So they can be separated and recycled because a lot of people don't realize that if you don't remove the plastic from the paper and you throw a mixed material package into the garbage, a lot of infrastructure in, in the world can't handle that. It's harder for them to try to separate that and there's contaminants. And so they end up just throwing it into the landfill instead of actually recycling, even though the consumer put it in the recycle bin. So there's ways you need to learn how to recycle. And I think that's the next step for us is educating the consumer on how they can return our own products to us. We can handle those because just putting them in the recycle bin isn't the answer because a lot of the, it depends on the municipality you're in and, and, and what's being done, right? But some places don't break down materials. So if it's not broken down for them, they just throw it away. That's a big problem. And I think there's a, a big, big, uh, we need to come together as, as a community and as, as an industry to really address those things. I think that's a really great point. And I think that speaks a lot to kind of the economic setup of the world that we're living in right now, just not necessarily mm -hmm. thinking about cradle to grave products. Like we're not thinking about, again, like the pre-consumer portion of the product development. We're not thinking about what goes on after we throw something in the trash. Is there anything like in the in-house waste stream that you're particularly passionate about? What I would love to be able to do is, again, we talked about, I'm extremely passionate about the, the Take Back program. And to me, it's part of the giving back. And I think we can find a way to take back and reuse those materials and create greater products, but also create products that you know help us in our promotional capabilities or making products that maybe are, don't need to have materials that have such high quality in them. And, and we can find ways to uh, turn them into you know, promotional items that uh, help drive our brand forward that, you know, still last longer than just single use. Right. So upcycling is, is my big passion at the moment and is trying to find a ways to upcycle our waste, turn them into products that will last longer. Ooh, I really like that idea of promotional products from mm -hmm. the waste stream. I think that's really, really interesting and yeah. innovative, creative. It's a good way to use your products and also a really good way to continue promoting your philosophies and your message. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited about it as well. I want to touch on the idea of the responsibility that you take with the bamboo products that you're bringing in, your, your mm -hmm. wood products in general, um, but also being able to just upcycle fabrics from different processes, like you said, your own waste, but also recycled water bottles. I think that's really responsible and really innovative. It really yields um, a lot of creativity in the materials that you're using and just how you can rethink the basic 
ingredients in a sense of your products. So I would love to talk a little bit on the flip side of like some of the challenges of using mm -hmm. those upcycled fabrics, or if you're creating rewind, what are the, some of the challenges with that and how do your challenges differ a little bit from like the mainstream product development challenges? Correct. Yeah. I think, I think one of the biggest challenges we have is obviously creating a, a sustainable product actually isn't cost effective. Uh, you know, it's not something that we're, we're not saving money yet. Right. Um, and, and mm -hmm. that's something that, that you see over a long extended period of time or higher production lots. And so, you know, to us, we put in extra energy, extra cost and extra care into making sure um, we're being as sustainable as we can. And, and one of the, the factors you deal with is, is quality, right? Recycled plastics, you know, especially if you're talking about pulling plastics from the ocean, for instance, there's damage being done to this, this plastic that's hit the environment, UV rays, you know, chemical and environmental factors can weaken the plastic. And same thing when you're talking about recycling your own plastic, you know, there's a thing called thermal degradation, obviously that the plastic degrades, the more it's heated up and melted again, right? Um, right. And, and it breaks down. And so we need to build a product that's quality, that's not going to break. And so, you know, we have to think about the ways that single use um, sustainable items are manufactured and how engineering plastics are manufactured products using engineering plastic manufacturing, we kind of have to blend the two ideas in a way that is creative and provides us a quality product in the end that's not going to break on the consumer. We want it to last. And so we can't be 100% sustainable yet, right? And I think that's that's the challenge I see is we're, we're, we're trying to constantly innovate and find a ways to be more sustainable as a, as a brand and as a company um, in everything from process to material selection to the source of the material to our quality control levels, um, what we can accept. And, and, and when we talk about natural materials, um, there's a natural loss, or we call it yield loss of, of the material because of things that happen. Not every single piece of wood is, is built the same. Sometimes there's cracks or blemishes. Even in our rewind fabric, you know, the way the materials have to be blended, sometimes there's a big knot in the middle of, of the yard of fabric, right? And, and so you kind of have to decide, do I use that or I don't use that? Or how much, how much can we get away with? and accept that natural variability um, that gives character to the product, but not perceived poor quality. And so those are some of the crazy challenges that we deal with every day. I think that's a really interesting set of challenges because like you said, mm -hmm. yeah, there is a lot of issues with um, higher heated plastics and things of the sort. Mm -hmm. And when you mentioned the idea of your rewind fabric, maybe having some blemishes in it and not wanting that to come off as a quality problem. product. Yeah. yeah, like quality problem. What are some of the solutions? Because you did mention earlier that you kind of go back and reuse your waste as much as you can. So not necessarily just with the fabric, but in general, how can you kind of rethink and repurpose some of these? Do you just process them again for use as the same product component? Or how do you go about just like reusing some of that waste? Yeah, so sometimes it depends on where the material is being used in its use case. So we choose the materials we choose and, and how we use them based on what they serve in part of the product. So um, a good example, and I think you've been testing out our no bounce speaker, mm -hmm. um, you know, and we use what we call regrind silicone. And uh, because this is a, supposed to be an outdoor rugged waterproof speaker, the, the regrind we're using in the silicone, it, it's a great inert material by nature. We take a lot of the scrap from making our silicone parts and we grind it down into a little particle and then put it in fresh silicone. And the interesting thing about that is that silicone can bond to itself thermally it's a thermal set material but it can't be really be remelted and so we found ways to recycle that and again it's not a new process but we found a way to do it in a way that allows us to have this 
look of recycled um, material, which I think the consumer can identify with, and it's a warm feeling, right? Can tell it's been recycled, just like you see a lot of recycled uh, composites. And so we, but we use that in an area where we need the ruggedness, right? And uh, we make sure that the issue we we arise uh, from this is basically, if we don't do the processing correctly, the part can have um, cosmetic blemish, and because it's the outside of the product, we don't want that to be a problem. So we do a little extra work in processing those materials for outside of products versus components that are on the inside, where we, we may not need to care so much about the cosmetic. Um, we just want to make sure that the, per the material is strong enough and serves its purpose. You know, how we process materials are different. You know, we use cork, for instance, on our no-bound speaker, which serves a purpose of sound dampening, as well as um, it is a, a water-resistant material by nature. Uh, it's been used, you know, since the what, 18th century for uh, stoppers and wine, wine bottles. The way we use the cork you know, is also for a function, not just for aesthetics, right? And so those are those are things that we think about when we are developing. Absolutely. I think that is a really interesting point about the cork doing both, um, just adding to the aesthetic quality, but also adding to the sound quality. I noticed mm -hmm. that in the No Bound speaker, it is like a really, really impressive sound quality. It's so, it, the volume is incredible, but also just the clarity of sound, mm -hmm. I think is really impressive, especially because it is so small. It's like, about the, it's like a little bit bigger than the palm of my hand. And it right. is a really impressive product in what it can do for the size, what it can do for the price, what it can do for the quality of materials that are going into it. Just the idea of recycled material. And again, just like more sustainably sourced materials. I think that's really, really impressive. Mm -hmm. And something that I would love to touch on a little bit that you and I spoke about a little bit earlier is the idea of these products being really inclusive and House of Marley being a brand that is really promoting inclusivity in the tech space because there's something about the No Bound Speaker especially that's gotten me thinking a lot about um, the products that I'm choosing to bring into my life from a tech perspective. You know, am I savvy enough? Am I cool enough? Am I this or that? And I think that sometimes there's a little bit of a stigma around certain tech products. And I think that House of Marley does like a really, really great way of opening up that conversation and including as many people as possible based on the price point, based on your philosophies and your messaging. And I was hoping you could speak a little bit on inclusivity. Yeah. You know, again, that I think that's something that we really take from Bob um, with the one love um, mantra that he had, treating everybody with love and respect. We want to make sure that what we're bringing is is inclusive to all demographic um, and all tiers of, of people's career in life. And we think it's something that, you know, having products that are affordable in, in, in a $49, sub $49 range, all the way up to, you know, a couple hundred dollars for something that's a little higher end and um, allows us to you know, span different you know, economic zones. And we're very global, a very global company because of this. And, and Marley's always been very global. In fact, our biggest markets have been international markets. It's, it's uh, very warming to, to know that what we're doing is, is attainable from, you know, over 80 plus countries around the world. And, uh, you know, we're including uh, all markets and, and all, all demographics and all economic uh, zones in, in the world that making a product that we can price down, you know, to a lower price to where people can afford it and younger generation can afford it as well as, you know, continue buying our products through their career when, you know, they make a little more money, they can afford a higher end product. We have an offering for them so they don't have to leave us. And I think uh, it's, it's a very important to make it uh, attainable to everyone and to really send our message of sustainability to all generations.
Absolutely. I think that's really nice. The idea of a brand that can really grow with its consumers and really Mm -hmm. be whatever the consumer needs at that point in their lifetime. I would like to backtrack just a little bit. You mentioned the philosophies of Bob Marley. I was hoping that you could kind of just set the scene a little bit about how House of Marley is connected with the Marley family. Yeah. House of Marley is basically a a licensed relationship. So we're licensing the Marley name from the the Marley family, but it's not only just a, a pure licensing scheme. It's really working with the family to make sure we're following the beliefs of their um, father and grandfather, right? We definitely work together well in, in that area. You know, they've got coffee business. They've got other uh, brands. You know, they have the Bob Marley product itself, you know, recently opened up to the cannabis scene with legalization of marijuana and, you know, how great of, of a plant that is from many perspectives, right? We kind of fed off each other a little bit too, because I think some of the products they're creating for some of the other brands are um, inspired by what we've come to the table with and what we can pull from them. And so it's a very collaborative environment. And we work with the family to make sure that everything we do is is following those guidelines of of the Marley brand. So it's very collaborative. I think that's a great way to go about any sort of partnership Mm -hmm. collaborative and making sure that you're both really as open as possible and making sure that you're on the same page with your philosophies and Mm -hmm. the messages that you're putting out. So I really, really admire that you acknowledge that it's not just a licensing deal. It's about really embodying those principles of, again, like you said, one love and just including everyone in the conversation and here Mm -hmm. in the tech space. And then something else that I would love to touch on, because we did speak about sustainability, including everyone. Um, Another thing with the Marley name on it would be the Project Marley. I'd love to talk a little bit about the philanthropic efforts of House of Marley. We've always, you know, had a philanthropic arm in our in our company, and what we wanted to do was kind of have it more relatable to the everyday consumer. You can always donate money to any charity, and but I think what means most to people is something that they can see and be a part of. And we chose to partner with One Tree Planted. We are contributing for every sale of our product. We're contributing to this One Tree Planted um, initiative, and we call it Project Marley because we know it might not always be planting trees. You know, it might turn into something greater in the in the future right so project marley for us today is one tree planted and it'll probably always be planting trees and the reason we plant trees is because that's a material we use a material we believe in and, and you know there's many uh benefits to having more trees we tend to cut down more than we plant especially with the climate today with global warming being part of i think uh, why a lot of the fires in our forests are burning right is because of, of human intervention and I think that's something that we need to be cognizant of, and, and that's why we, we give back and we plant trees, you know, is, is to make sure we're replacing what we take. I think that is a really great philosophy and an outlook on, again, just even looking at your supply chain, like you realize that mm-hmm. you are using trees in all of your products and you're using this wood and how is it that you could be contributing back and kind of avoiding the the irresponsibility that sometimes just put into that like consumer, any consumer product, you might not necessarily realize how your end product is impacting the supply chain, especially as a consumer. I think that it's something that we definitely don't think about just all of the components that go into this final product and the lifetime of a product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I think I I forgot to mention, I think to date we've planted about 168,000 trees. Um, And I think that, you know, the program's just over a year old for us and it's amazing. Um, And we have many projects coming down the pipeline. So I know we just expect that number to to increase every month, every year. It's something that that the consumer can feel they're part of when they uh, partake of our, via one of our products. So. Absolutely. And Josh, with that, could you tell everyone where they can find more information about Project Marley, but also where they can find House of Marley products? 
you know, obviously, we're, like I said, we're a global company. Uh, Project Marley, you can go to our website, houseofmarley.com. And there's a Project Marley section on our website that you can read more about Project Marley and our philanthropic give back um, and planting tree initiative, One Tree Planted. And from buying our products, again, it depends where, where you're located in the world, but we're distributed in many countries. Again, houseofmarley.com in the U.S., Best Buy in Canada. We're in airport stores around the world, especially in the United States. And then, you know, depending on the country you're in, if you go to our website, you can choose the, the region you're, you live in and, and purchase from the website there, or there'll be contact information where you can find products and distributors of our products globally. Great. Well, Josh, thank you so much for taking some time today to chat with me. I so appreciate it. Oh, very welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. I hope you guys really enjoyed that conversation with Josh of House of Marley. I will go ahead and have their link down below, houseofmarley.com, where you can find these products. And then I will also have down below my links if you would like to get in touch. So the easiest way to get in touch with me is via Instagram, via DM, and that would be at Podcast. And if you would like to get in touch with my personal page, that's at Laura E. Diaz. You can also email me through my website, lauraediaz.com. All of those things are always down below. And with that, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a rating and a review. I hope you guys have a really awesome day and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.